Thank you, Pastor Harrison. Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapters one. First Thessalonians chapters one. <clears throat> Let us read. I'm going to read uh, from verses one or verse one to verse 10, verse 1 to verse 10. And Paul writes, <clears throat> Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, for for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because of our gospel, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but, you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything, for they themselves reporting concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and you turn from God to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead Jesus Christ who deliver us from the wrath to come we thank God for his word and we ask God to continue blessing us with his word The, the letter to the Thessalonians, I believe, is best understood by the background of this church. So as to properly understand any principles given by God throughout the letter, I'm going to go through the background, and in doing so, we will look at the foundation of this church the age of this church, the makeup of this church, and I'm hoping to cover the theme of this church. The letter, or the letters to the Thessalonians was written by Paul. There's no dispute there. However, there is some dispute 
about the time that it was written. For our purpose here, if we say between 51 AD and 52 AD, we should be safe. We should be safe because it would be, it would fall in that time frame. The letters were written to a very young church, about a year, a year and a half to two years old. As the church was established on Paul's second missionary journey, around the fall of 49 AD. And some have suggested the letters were written about a year, about a year or a year and a half later from Corinth. And they say around the latter part of 50 AD or early 51 AD. The church itself, we could say, got its foundation in about three weeks. I don't see any other church in scripture that was formed or formulated so quickly as this church. In Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 2, Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 2, now when Paul, now when Paul had come when, when they had passed through Amphiphilius and Apollonica, they came to Thessalonia where there was a synagogue, the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in at, as it was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. These three Sabbath days would equal to three weeks. And this would be the time that Paul spent in the city. The city, after that he was expelled. He was forcibly removed out of the city. This was the three weeks building that foundation of the church at Thessalonica. We heard just now the custom of Paul going into the synagogue, but this was a custom afforded to all rabbis. We see this with Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verses, verse 6. It tells us, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. This custom has been said to have been started with Ezra the scribe as he read the law of Moses which was given a law of Moses, which the Lord gave to Israel, Nehemiah chapter 8. 
we remember that story where Ezra, the people told Ezra to bring the books of the law, and Ezra stood up and read, and they stood listening to the law of God for hours. Something that is lost in our culture. But there's a question to be asked of the text. And that question is, why was Paul forced to leave? Why was Paul thrown out of this city, so to speak? When we go to Acts chapter 17, verse 2 to 5, it would help us with some answers. And the text tells us, and Paul went in as was his custom on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and prove, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and raise from the dead and say that this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Something to note on reasoning as Paul did. As part of the Jewish tradition, the rabbis would sit around in the synagogue and reasoned or reason on the scriptures. This is part of their culture. We saw this with Jesus at age 12, reasoning with the teachers. And there's a quip, and it says, two Jews, three opinions. Because in reasoning, they all don't conclude on the same opinion. Verse 4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of leading women. Verse 5, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set in the city in an uproar, and attacking the house of Jason. On the surface, we see that jealousy of the Jews was the cause of Paul being forced to leave Thessalonica. But looking closer, we can't help but noticing that when Paul reasoned from the scriptures, proving that this Christ, this Jesus, that something happened. See, what happens here is that the Spirit of God places the heart in a position where there are only two options. Belief or unbelief. That spirit places 
our hearts with two options, belief or unbelief. For us Christians who endeavor to evangelize, we need to understand that it is our job to bring the gospel, to preach the gospel, or to bring Christ, present Christ to the masses, knowing that everyone is not going to believe. The unbelieving Jews became jealous out of their unbelief. When we are faced with uncomfortable situations as it relates to conversation about the scriptures, there's a sense of feeling anger. What we take away is that we need to go back to the scriptures for what we are lacking. Because when we have an opportunity to reason and prove Christ from the scriptures, we need to know the scriptures. We cannot evangelize not knowing the scriptures. We have to know the very God and the very Christ that we are talking about. The outworking of this jealousy comes out in this way. They formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar. And three, they attack the house of Jason. There's a lesson here for us as it relates to the issues of society. We have to be very careful who we join ourselves to. I want to say that again. We have to be very careful with whom we join ourselves to. Today we hear a lot of talk about persecution, Christian persecution, but not everything is persecuted, is persecution. I want to say everyone can be persecuted, but not everything is persecution as it relates to Christ. In 2015, I applied for a job. And that job was offering a $5,000 sign-on bonus with a $75,000 a year salary. And sitting in the interview, the HR person told me, um, the job requires that you work or sign up for work on Sundays. And I said to her, that is my church day. That's the day I serve God. And she said to me, that is our policy. And I said to her, well, when you change the policy, you can let me know. That's who I am. 
But at the same time, if I had taken that job and then rebelled on working Sundays, I cannot call that persecution. So we have to be very careful when it comes to persecution as it relates to Christ and society. As we see from the scriptures, persecution for your faith relates to issues pertaining to Christ or preaching the word of God, preaching Christ, presenting Christ to the masses. So every bandwagon that's out there, we have to look at it, examine it, to see if it is truly of God. Because the devil would have us in these fights and not evangelizing. You see, the fact that Paul is so focused on evangelism the beatings prior to this in verse 16 did not deter him here. I, I want to rephrase, say something or rephrase that. It wasn't verse 16. In chapter 16, the beatings that they got in chapter 16 did not deter him in chapter 17. So his focus was on bringing Christ to the masses. One of the things we have to understand when it comes to society's ills, the best way to resolve society's ills is to present Christ to the hearts of mankind. What happened is that we perceive or perceive that we are being effective when we change the minds of people. But when God changes the hearts of people, that is effective. The makeup of this church were Jews, many Greeks, many women. Acts chapter, seven, chapter 17, verse 4. So we know now that the church at Thessalonica was birthed in about three weeks. We know that this church was made up of Jews, Greek, Greeks, and women. And we know that this church was birthed in turmoil. There was no strategy of church planting as we know it today with charts and graphs. There's no year or years of planning and years of church growth. What we know is this church was made by the hand of God. Paul writes in Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 and he tells us for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. All the early churches, whether it be in Galatia or 
Corinth, they're all templates for us today. And this church is no different. This church became an example to all believers in Macedonia, Anachaya, and should be a model for us today. Paul said, you have, became, you have become imitators of us and of the Lord. This imitation is centered in faith in Christ with the outworkings of living a life of obedience to Christ and making the presentation of Christ to the world a central focus. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapters, chapter 6, verse says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. And he adds this, and we need not say anything. I want to come home now. We have an outreach in a few weeks at the square in Newton. As we see Paul being obedient to Christ in presenting the gospel, we also know he also imitated Christ in presenting the gospel. We see Christ in his ministry, and he's going from city to city, and he's telling the people the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the message. And we also see the Thessalonian church imitating Christ and Paul. And there too are presenting the gospel. Because Paul says that the, from them it sounded forth everywhere. They weren't just sitting in a four wall and speaking. They went out. This was a port city. So by going out and presenting Christ, and they're presenting Christ from the scriptures, we also need to do the same. But there's a question here also 
how much scripture do we know? We have to be read up on our scriptures. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us in the scriptures. Because the very scriptures is what we need to present and prove Christ as the Savior of all mankind. So this is why Paul can comment and say their faith being everywhere. It is something that we would want to hear about ourselves, that we hear about you guys. Your faith is everywhere. We have an opportunity to present or opportunity to imitate in presenting the gospel and as a church coming together in presenting the gospel in Newton, we too would become an example to other churches. I'll read for you. Verse 6 of chapters 1, and I'm going verse 6 again to verse 7. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example for all believers in Macedonia and in China. This young church reminds me of when we, and when I say we, I'm talking individually, when we first started our journey with Christ. We wanted to tell the whole world. We were gung-ho. Everyone we saw, we met, we wanted to tell them about this Jesus because we felt something. But over time, that feeling has waned. That feeling has drifted from us. And it is as though we go through the motions of being Christians. What we don't have, as this church had, was affliction. None of us were afflicted because of our belief in Christ. We did not start out the way they did. And yet, their conviction for Christ and for the gospel gives us a pictorial image of presenting the gospel. It doesn't matter what is coming. What matters is presenting the gospel. I believe that Christ would be pleased and he would be pleased with us knowing that we were not ashamed of the gospel. This would set our place 
among the righteous in his kingdom. We have missionaries who are in the field and they have given up creature comforts, things that we take for granted here to go and preach the gospel, to go and present Christ to lands that are, that the terrain is hard, the life is hard, and yet it is not a deterrent because they see Christ and presented him as the ultimate sacrifice. I want to say this before I sign off, that this text, because of the richness of this text and the time allotted, I will not be able to cover the theme, but I can tell you what the theme of the text is, and our next meeting we will continue in this book, these letters to the Thessalonians, because there's so much here that we can gather from it. The theme you will find is the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. It is something that we, as Christians, all Christians, all believers, should have on the forefront of our minds. It would help us to live in the future. It would help us to live of Christ. Underlying this theme, underlying this theme, the letter is also a letter of encouragement. You see, with this church being formed or birth in turmoil, Paul is writing to encourage this young church to stay the course. Now, the church is not without its problems, and those two we will cover in our next session. So I want to tell you these things because I want you to know where we are going after this. Because the text tells us that all these things were in this church. There's also the problems that the church have or had with their understanding of scripture as it relates to the coming of the Lord and where people would be at the passing, at their passing. So all those things we will cover in the background in our next meeting. I want to thank you all for allowing me to this time to speak to you from the letters of the Thessalonians. And I ask that you pray for me as I continue in this letter. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, dear Lord, that you have given me the strength to speak on your behalf. I thank you, dear Lord, for the listeners. And I thank you that you would use your word to strengthen us as we proclaim your son to the world. We ask now that as we depart from here, you would give us traveling mercies. You would be with be each and every one of us as we go our separate ways. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.